Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's happening. Get it, get, 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 get. for your lives. It's time for MP on the mic. Cunning, capable, agile, flexible. It gets me pumped and it gets me going. Michael Phillips is... Let's go! MP on the mic. And a good morning to you, Richmond Tuesday, November 28th. We are off and running. We got a full work week. That's nonsense. I'm staging a protest. Five days in a row of work. That's ridiculous. I don't have that kind of time. Hate coming back from a holiday weekend. Monday doesn't hit me. Tuesday hits me hard. Although I saw a lot of people around here who Monday hit hard as well. I don't mind coming back, flexing my muscle, doing doing the show. It's the second day that gets you. It's the second day. No, no. We're going to have to do a lot of these in a row. All right. Let's do it. If we're going to do it, let's make it good. Uh, MP on the mic, that's the show. Appreciate you guys joining us. 910 The Fan, 105.1 FM, and worldwide on the free Odyssey app with the rewind button. It is bowl season. Uh, we'll dive into what that means for our local teams. And uh, we got three. Uh, we got three at the moment. And uh, Liberty will make four uh, once they uh, secure their spot wherever it is. I think they're one of the more fascinating cases this week. Uh, we've got NFL Monday Night Football, a complete dud with uh, a, a bit of juice at the finish there as the Bears do their part as we continue our watch. The Washington Commanders tank it up, baby. Let's go. Fire up the tank. Drive the tank down Broad Street. Remember that? That happened like five years ago. Oh, Josh is excited. You remember that? Sure do. That was maybe one of the greatest stories in Richmond local news history. Tank boy Tank boy, way overshadows Tank Girl. Who's, who's Tank Girl? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> tank uh, Girl was a movie in the 90s. It I'm was a, awesome. I'm going to have to take your word for that one. Tank boy was better. A, a guy, and this is the non-funny part. I mean, like he went crazy, um, but he, he was on the military base, and he... he it, it, Fort Lee, I think, and stole a tank and drove it down the street, made it all the way to Broad Street before they they shut him down. Just dude, just driving a tank down Broad Street. Yeah, um, technically it was an APC, armored personnel carrier. Yeah, I, I count that up. Count on you to keep me honest here. <laughs> gotcha uh, on the details. Now, I I submit that if if the commanders can get their way up to the number one draft pick somehow, some way. We should celebrate. We should throw a parade with tanks on Broad Street. I don't think it'll happen. I'm not saying it'll happen. I'm just saying it'd be a lot of fun. Uh, just it, maybe we should. I mean, we'll just do one of those wacky promotion bits, right? Where I will drive a tank to the Commanders game against the Cowboys in Week 18 if it's on the line. 
We we'll put in a call to Fort Lee, see if they'll lend us a tank. I don't I don't know if my uh, my corporate account at National Rent a Car covers tanks. Um, that's a lot of gas though to get get from here to Landover. We may we may just have to pick one up on the way. Either way, tank themed celebration of it happened. Chicago Bears did their part. Uh, won the football game last night over the Minnesota Vikings. They are now tied with the Commanders at four and eight. Giants at four and eight as well. Uh, means Washington can slide into that number four spot as soon as this upcoming weekend with a loss to the Miami Dolphins. Only thing that scares me about these coaching moves, I said this yesterday, only thing that scares me is that this defense might improve. Uh, I'm all in on the tank now. Uh, we got to root for something. And uh, it's not it's not the product on the field. I hope Sam Howell continues to do well. I want Sam I would love, perfect scenario this weekend, 29-28 loss to the Dolphins. They score at the last second, go for two and get it. That, that's, that's where I'm at. Sam Howell does well, continues to develop, scores some touchdowns, but also the loss isn't his fault, and they continue losing work their way towards that top draft pick. Because this season is donezo. Uh, it's, uh, it's off the board. It's time, it's time to look to the future. Everybody knows new coach, new operation is coming. Uh, kind of sad that we're still talking about our college football teams as being relevant and our pro team is not relevant, but that is the case. Uh, phone lines are open to you this morning, 833-804-0910 if you'd like to be a part of today's program. Uh, bowl projections coming out this week, and uh, so the conference title games will be on Saturday. Uh, Georgia, Alabama, of course, your headliner. I uh, got a little Michigan, Iowa. Uh, for those of you who like to punish yourselves by watching sports, uh, that could be a good opportunity for you. Uh, I think Florida State, Louisville, uh, intriguing with the, with the injuries. Obviously, Florida State's quarterback out. Uh, I think Louisville has maybe the best defense in the ACC. So, so I'm I'm giving them a chance there. That's that's an important game nationally because Florida State. Is, is in with a win. They would be undefeated. They'd have that win against LSU earlier this year. If they lose, I would say almost certainly out at this juncture. It's hard to lose this late in the game and still survive. I think Georgia's probably the only school that could do that. So, so the, the games are played on Saturday, uh, and then Sunday we'll get the bowl announcements, the playoffs, and then everything else trickles down over the course of a day. Always a, a, a pins and needles day, for those of you, the people who follow the teams, rabbit, where are we going to travel? How do we do? book the flights? Do we not book the flights? Do we book the hotel? Um, and for Virginia Tech, there's a wide range here for them, for the Hokies. Uh, just a, a sampling of, of national predictions here. Uh, ESPN says the Holiday Bowl out in uh, San Diego against Oregon State. Now, that's that's a juicy matchup and a good game and a fun trip. Uh, you get get a uh, get Awad to get a uh, club D three on the line for that one, man. That's that's a good that's a good outcome. Fun place, fun game, big big time opponent. Oregon State's top twenty five. Uh, CBS Sports says the Mayo Bowl, uh, the Duke's Mayo Bowl against Kentucky. I like that one. It's regional. It, it's accessible. Uh, it's it's a game with a little little cachet, a little name recognition. Also an opponent that that you could give a game to. I I don't think the Hokies could hang with Oregon State right now or, or even after a few weeks of practice. And Oregon State, who has does not have a conference to be a part of next year, 
uh, is not going to be motivated to lay down here. I, I think that could potentially turn ugly. I'm not sure that's I'm not sure that's how you want to end the season. We've ended the season that way before. We've seen that before. I don't think anybody's fired up about that possibility. Uh, and then a third one, the military bowl. That's in Annapolis uh, at, at Navy's stadium against Memphis. Now that's the the third end of the spectrum here, right? Uh, that's a winnable game uh, at not a not as fun of a bowl, right? And so you, I could see this any different way. I I, I don't think the Hokies want a marquee bowl against a big opponent. I, I think they at least want a competitive game. Um, I don't know that you want. I don't know that you want the guaranteed win, but a weekend in Annapolis. I think you'd rather have the game with a little bit of juice. It's a great fan base. They travel very well, obviously. Ton of excitement after the UVA win. Ton of excitement after this weekend. Watching that defensive line show up and dominate UVA. Six sacks, less than 50 yards rushing. I, I think there's a lot of excitement in the air about Virginia Tech. You'd love to see them in in at least a name game, maybe a, a post-Christmas game, right? The pre-Christmas games, that's kind of the dividing line. Like, you got a bowl game, good for you, pat on the head. After Christmas, start playing football for real. You want you want one of those games, but I don't know that you want all the way in with the Holiday Bowl. Uh, Liberty, though. I said Liberty was the most fascinating one, okay? L- the, the college football playoff rankings come out tonight. This is the committee that's going to pick the teams. The best team from a non-power conference uh, is guaranteed a spot on New Year's Day, right? So we were talking about this with JMU for a long time, uh, that that they were going to be number one in those rankings, but because of the NCAA rule, were unranked. They appealed to the NCAA. They were denied. That's off the board. Now, there there, there was for a while, the attorney general was like, I'm, I'm going to file a lawsuit. I didn't think that was a good idea. Then he backed off after they lost, which I think showed a lack of football understanding on his part because they certainly weren't out of it at that point. Uh, But it did show good common sense in the sense that I don't want lawsuits determining who plays in football games. I don't think that's a good idea for anybody and a good use of the court system. But JMU uh, very much would be in that running, would be in that ranking with just their one loss in overtime to App State. Uh, They are not, though. Right now, Tulane... Is is the best group of five team? Uh, they they would get the New Year's Day spot, but they have a real game on Saturday in their conference title game. They are playing SMU, uh, who who is a legit outfit. They are, as you may know, they're coming to the ACC next year. Go ACC! A little ACC pride rooting interest for you this weekend. If SMU beats Tulane this weekend, Liberty becomes the number one ranked group of six school. Now, Liberty also plays this weekend. They play, I think, New Mexico State. I don't, I can't, they play the worst schedule in, in Division One. 133 schools. They have the 133rd ranked strength of schedule. They, they don't belong on New Year's Day. And yet, here we are. They keep winning, and so the rankings treat them accordingly. Uh, and, and they will win again this weekend. I'd rather let SMU win if they beat Tulane uh, than let Liberty in. But there's a chance, and I think you'll find out tonight when you see how high SMU is on the rankings. If they're if they're not within shouting distance of Liberty, I, I think you would find out Liberty could do this thing. I've been poo-pooing it for a while. This thing could happen. We're on alert. This thing could happen. And I, I mean, give it. To, you know, the Sun Belt winner I think should should have a shot. That's App State against Troy. I don't think they will. 
Liberty has a backdoor in now, which is kind of wild. Uh, you got ODU as well, but JMU's going bowling. They'll be in a pre-Christmas game. So the way this works is they get in by the exception. Um, so JMU doesn't get first pick or anything. Because they're in, they don't get any of the bowl games. They only get their bowl game assigned after everybody else gets their picks. So they'll get one of the worst games. I like their chances to win big. That'll be a lot of fun. Josh, let's play that Kurt Sinetti clip right now because JMU's got a claim on a lot of good things. Uh, they've got a, a great record. They've got uh, you know a, a ton of big wins. They've got a win over Troy, who's playing in the Sun Belt title game. Uh, here's Kurt Signetti after the JMU game the other day about the Duke season. 11-1, and one, best record in Sun Belt East, beat Troy, the champion of the West, and last year's champ. Um, we got a lot of people's attention across the country. We're going to savor this one, worry about tomorrow tomorrow. But uh, this has been a special group of guys. They'll be remembered for it. That's the culture here at JMU. And uh, we're used to winning, you know, at the end of the game. And t- I think we won six one-score games this year. You know, when the game's on the line, we're used to coming out ahead. We're not affected by the circumstances of the game. So these guys... We're very consistent day in, day out at practice. Competed really hard every Saturday. Not always perfect, but really, comp- and no problems. Enjoy the coach. This was a great team. And will be remembered as such. And I am curious as the coaching carousel begins to turn now. Kurt Signet is going to get a ton of attention from everywhere, as he should. How all of this impacts his decision making, right? Because he could come back. And JMU's eligible for everything next year. Now, there's no guarantees you're going to have a season like this one. So many close games they pulled out. It doesn't work like that every year. Uh, but I'm curious how that impacts his personal decision-making uh, as they as they do that. Wrapping up college football, though, uh, before I was rudely interrupted by that break. Uh, it, it, for JMU, uh, I, had, I had speculated that Liberty would be a really fun matchup for them. I think everybody won the JMU-Liberty matchup. It's become clear, though... Even if Liberty doesn't get the New Year's spot, they're not going to get to play against JMU. Uh, they're just too high on the order. JMU is essentially at the bottom of the order. They're, they're third from last. Uh, only Minnesota and Jacksonville State are behind them. So, so they're not going to be able to play against Liberty, which is too bad. Because I do think that's the game we all wanted to see. And that would have been a ton of fun. I don't know. Maybe somebody can still make that happen. Seems very unlikely, though. It would, it would have to involve Liberty allowing itself to fall down the process. But right now they're they're focused on New Year's Day, which is uh, which is a possible outcome for them, for sure. Uh, I don't think Virginia Tech's in play for either of them either, just because of the way the ACC tie-ins work. Uh, they're they're contractually obligated to a series of bowls that don't have tie-ins with the other conferences. A uh, little UVA news: Mike Hollins, uh, running back, won the Brian Piccolo uh, Award yesterday from the ACC, and what was probably the shortest discussion. In the history of the Brian Piccolo Award uh, for courage and overcoming obstacles, he, of course, was the one who was shot, uh, the fourth football player who was shot who who survived uh, in that attack last November uh, on the bus coming back from D.C. Uh, not only survived, came back to the team, not only came back to the team, had a phenomenal season this year, had, some, had a touchdown in the first game back, had touchdowns in big spots, uh, was one of their very best players. Congrats to Mike Collins. Uh, an award certainly well-deserved and uh, prob- probably the easiest time they'll ever have uh, awarding that. We, we, have, we have too many players with, uh, with gunshot 
issues these days uh, and too many gun issues these days to begin with. But uh, we also have Brian Robinson, who will be up for the Comeback Player of the Year award this year after his missing of a season last year. Now, I, I don't know. I think that's less of a slam dunk, so so to say, in terms of him winning the award. He's had a great season. Dude, dude's playing his best football of his, his career. Uh, but the the way the award works, it's so far off. It's so far, uh, you know, disconnected from when the incident happened. That, that was almost two full years ago. Uh, you don't know. You don't know how the voting panel will feel about that. You don't know if Brian Robinson's going to get that uh, that award or not. Whether he does or not, an incredible story and, and one we salute. But uh, Mike Collins, ACC Brian Piccolo Award winner, uh, we we congratulate him. Uh, UVA season over, but that that doesn't mean they're not busy. This is the busiest week of the year in college football uh, as the coaches are recruiting their teams to stay. Right, this is when guys decide if they're going to jump in the portal or not. Uh, this is when recruits reopen their their recruitment as they see who's staying, who's going. Uh, you've seen a lot of news out of Colorado this week. Uh, Deion Sanders has lost three of his five-star commitments for not this year, not this coming year, 2024, but next year, 2025, um, which surprised me at all that he had commitments for the 2025 class because I, I can't imagine Deion's there for three years at Colorado. Now, the school needs to be working on those kids. They need a plan for after Dion leaves. Because Dion's going to leave, and if he's just had a bunch of transfer portal guys, that cupboard's entirely bare. There's nothing left there. Uh, so they need to have a plan in terms of what happens uh, what happens next post Dion. Uh, uh, one last big college football news that we, we need to pass along to you, because this is important. It's important you stay informed out there. The Pop-Tarts Bowl, uh, which obviously we all look forward to the Pop-Tarts Bowl every year. We, we have our advent calendars out with the Cheez-It Bowl, the Mayo Bowl, and, of course, the Pop-Tarts Bowl, uh, you know, a staple of bowl season, is making history this year for the first time ever they will have an edible mascot. So the mascot is, a, you know, a big Pop-Tart with, like, eyes, eyes and a mouth, but this year he will be edible, and the winning team will be allowed to eat the mascot on the field after the game. I mean, that's... That's big time. That's a big time move by the Pop-Tarts Bowl. Duke's Mayonnaise Bowl is on notice. Effective immediately. They they started this game. They gave the mayonnaise bath to the winning coach, right? They've, they've done that. They, they, they set the bar. The Pop-Tarts Bowl, though, has jumped over that bar. Pop-Tarts Bowl is going to allow the winning team to eat the mascot on the field after the game. I'm fired up for this. That, that's... That, I will say this. I hope it's bra- it's the brown sugar cinnamon. Because there's a Pop-Tarts pecking order. There's only two of them worth eating. The strawberry one's the other one with the frosting and the, and, and the white frosting and the sprinkles. Brown sugar cinnamon, though, that's, that's the one seed of Pop-Tarts. None of the other ones are close. There's a lot of gimmicky flavors. S'mores, apple pie, whatever, whatever they're coming up with. Kids will eat anything, man. You put sugar in it, kids will eat it. There's only one Pop-Tart worth eating, and there's a second one worth eating if you're hungry. The only Pop-Tart worth eating is brown sugar cinnamon. The only Pop-Tart worth eating, the second one is if you're hungry, the strawberry one's just fine. JC, you're welcome to disagree. You, the, the, <laughs> your, your program as well. I'm just curious, where are you at on Wildberry? I'm not. I'm not on Wildberry. You're wild nowhere berry. on Wildberry. Here's the thing. Wildberry doesn't taste like wild berries. <laughs> or farmed berries, or... 
Even lab-grown berries, really. Right. That's that's my itch. Are you in on wild berry? It tastes like purple and blue. I'm not going to judge you tastes any like more than eyes. I already have for liking wild berry. <laughs> we'll just throw it on the pile. Um, it tastes like purple. If I'm going, you're the target crazy. audience. Yeah, yeah, go, sure. go have a lunchable and run off. But I, the hot, the all right, the brown sugar cinnamon. You're you're not wrong at all there. That's it's the best one. It's the litmus test. I hope the mascot is brown sugar cinnamon for sure. I'd I'd eat them for the for the play <laughs> the, for the player's sake. I hope it's brown sugar cinnamon. Right, absolutely. That's definitely the most palatable of the pop tarts. Those zany flavors, crazy craziness. Wild berry man. All right, they, you're the audience then. Uh, that's, that's, that's why the, they keep cranking these out. It's the only zany flavor I'll really go after, honestly, because it, it's a big nostalgia thing. Uh, uh, Wildberry was huge when I was a kid. Here's what you can buy right now at the grocery store. What's Frosted that? pumpkin pie Pop-Tarts. Whoa. Now, I know some... AY's a pumpkin spice guy, I think. We got oh, yeah? too, too many people around here who are in on the pumpkin thing. That <laughs> Pumpkin's a straight no for me. So that's a, uh, Frosted banana bread Pop-Tarts. Okay. Again, there's nothing wrong with just banana bread. Banana bread was fine. Nobody was demanding that you make it in a lab in New Jersey and stuff it in a Pop-Tart. That's not <laughs> something people were clamoring for. Apple Jacks, apple cinnamon Pop-Tarts. I'm moderately intrigued. Yeah, actually. Uh, I'm, I'm moderately. That one, the Pop-Tarts website allows you to leave a review of them. That's actually the lowest rated Pop-Tart. Is it? It's the lowest rated Pop-Tart, four stars out of a potential five. But there uh, have to be worse flavors. Second lowest rated Pop-Tart, as per the Pop-Tarts website, Ego Frosted Maple. I've seen that one. That's there, one of the ones that made me scowl. That, I wasn't happy with it. That can't, that can't be good at all. It can't taste good. All right, we got to step aside because Will Driscoll is going to join us on the other side. More Pop-Tarts conversation eventually, though. I'm not, I'm not done making fun of Pop-Tarts, but I'm proud of them for the mascot move. I'm going to watch them eat that mascot, and I am curious to see what the Duke's Mayo Bowl does next year to raise the bar further because the gauntlet's been thrown down. It's on, uh, and, and the bowl game season is underway. I'm fired up. All right, we're back after this. This is 910 The Fan, not 105.1 FM. Tuesday morning, MP on the mic. Thank you for joining us, Michael Phillips here. Y'all are out there around Richmond and around the world, live on the free Odyssey app and wherever you find your podcast. Thanks for joining us. Phone lines are yours, 833 804 0910. It is a Tuesday. It is 11 o'clock. It is time to hit the panic button. Is it time to panic or is this just a momentary scare? MP on the mic has his finger on the panic button. Yeah, what a way to, what a way to start a Tuesday here. A little, little panic button action will give you topics from the world of sports. Tell you whether or not they should be panicking. Topic number one is a repeat panic button. Uh, Bill Belichick is our guy, and Bill Belichick is panicking. So here's what happened. Uh, We had Bill Belichick on the panic button segment uh, a few weeks ago, but the premise was, will he get to be the Patriots coach next year? Right. And I, I thought that was you know, a reasonable discussion at the time. They're like five games into the season. They weren't very good. I said, I don't think he's going to get to be Patriots coach next year. I think it's time to panic. This is this is next level now, though, because of what happened on Sunday. 
Violent kick to the clears the line. Airborne to the uprights. It's no it. good. It. It's no good. And it hooks left with three seconds to go. And the Giants have back-to-back wins as they beat the Patriots by the 10-7 final here at MetLife Stadium in the Meadowlands. This is what happens. You get the ball at the 50. You're handed it to Tyquan Thornton to wait for the field goal. Go win the game. You're 2-8. This is, this is what you get. This is... Uh, what you are you didn't deserve to win this game you live you learn <laughs> your own announcing team turns against you that's a sign that's a sign you you draft a kicker in the fourth round he misses the game winning kick you, you churn through quarterbacks none of them are any good matt jones bailey zappy none of them are, are any good the question now for bill belichick isn't will he get to be patriots coach next year obviously he will not will he get to be a coach next year period uh, which I took for granted the last time we did this. I said, well, surely a team will hire Bill Belichick. He's Bill Belichick. Why, why wouldn't that happen? That's looking like less and less of a given every single week. Uh, Belichick without Brady in his career is 82-99 and 99 now after last week's game. Obviously having Brady covered over a lot of things in New England, I don't think it diminishes. He was one of the great coaches in NFL history, and Brady would not have been Brady without Belichick, but it's been a rough few years. Here's uh, Belichick speaking yesterday on whether or not the team will add another quarterback. And on the the quarterback position, can you envision bringing someone in from outside the organization who would, you know, get starts or time over the next uh, six weeks? Uh, Yeah, I don't really see that right now, Um, but I mean, I wouldn't rule anything out, anything that would help our team. You know, we've brought in players that, at any position that uh, you never know what's going to happen. If I think there's somebody, you know, our scout, pro scout department thinks there's somebody that would help us, we'll certainly listen to it and take a look at it at any position. It's not really about the quarterback position. It really be any position. So, I don't know. Nobody that comes to mind, but we'll see. We'll see. That's, uh, I mean, he sounds worse than Ron Rivera at this point. Um, probably because he's always been a little, little grumpy at these things, but uh, and, and Ron hasn't been, but it, it, I don't think there's an NFL team that would hire him at this juncture. I don't think it's a win. I think he could be a defensive coordinator, potentially a really good one. I'd love for him to be a defensive coordinator here in Washington, pair him with an offensive coach. Unless you're looking for a caretaker coach for a couple of years, though, I don't know how you can sell a fan base on Bill Belichick's coming to town and things are good and la-di-da and, and don't worry about it. Uh, Bill Belichick's uh, got things under control because he clearly doesn't have anything under control here. I'll be curious how the last five weeks go. If if I were Robert Kraft in New England, I would probably find a way to move him along sooner rather than later just because of the potential for him winning some games down the stretch. That said, this is a really bad football team. They're tough to watch. Uh, that that Patriots-Giants game, uh, live down to expectations, I believe is the phrase. Uh, panic button on. Justin Fields. Justin Fields, quarterback of the Chicago Bears, who won last night, Monday Night Football, uh, beat the beat the Vikings, did their part uh, for our, our tankathon here for the Commanders. Uh, half a game closer to driving that tank down Broad Street with the Bears' win, so we appreciate that. Thank you, Justin Fields. His coach did not allow him to throw the ball 
more than three yards down the field at any point during the game. This passing chart is like something out of the 1930s in the leather helmet era. He threw one pass downfield the entire game. Everything else was a screen pass at the line of scrimmage. Now, they score 12 points. They end up winning the game for field goals. But that's a bad sign. That tells me learning time is over and, and tolerating time has begun. Uh, in in Chicago, you don't make that kind of move and not let him throw it downfield unless you've decided this isn't the guy. We're running out the clock on this season. We don't trust him to do things. Now, Chicago's got the Panthers pick. They got, they got two top five picks right now. They got number one and number four. They're obviously going to take a quarterback next year, which raises a question, what do you do with Justin Fields? I would keep Justin Fields on the roster. We've seen this year the importance of a backup quarterback. And he's obviously not bad. He was drafted as high as he was. He's got talent. I would leave him on the roster, let him learn and grow as the backup. You don't have to worry about confidence issues for the starter because he's Justin Fields. We've got a a pretty large body of tape here. The other thing you can do is, because he knows the offense, you can let whoever you draft number one sit for five to eight weeks, which is what I would do. I don't think there's nearly enough of that in the NFL. A lot of your quarterback success stories are guys who sat for a year and then played. I don't know if he can I don't know if he can sit for an entire year if you take somebody at number one, but it gives him a little more time, a little bit of a head start, a little bit of a running start, which I don't think there's enough of these days. And again, if Justin Fields breaks out, has a great season, trade him at the end of the year. Uh, you know, you, you don't have to Everybody, everybody always plans for these worst-case scenarios. My favorite was when the commanders were changing, when there was talk about the commanders changing their name. I came out very firmly, yes, I would change the name. And people would always say, uh, what, what, do, uh, what if they win the Super Bowl? Then you'd look silly changing the name. Like, wait, what a silly thing to do to plan for that possibility. Like, to not make progress because that well, you, you can't leave Justin Fields on the roster and draft another quarterback because what if Justin Fields turns out to be good? Like, I, I can't believe we're not we're making decisions based on the possibility that the best-case scenario might give you a problem. I would love best-case scenario problems. Sign me up for a best-case scenario problem. All right, next panic button, Sports Illustrated. I don't know if you caught this yesterday. Sports Illustrated, uh, one of the biggest names in sports journalism for many years. Uh, you know, We all camped out by our mailboxes on Thursday to read. Sports Illustrated, who was bought by one of these you know, giant hedge fund slash everything operations, has allegedly, uh, per this website, Futurist, been posting stories generated by AI, uh, by artificial intelligence. And, and they've got some... Pretty good proof here. Um, the author that was listed on these stories it, it does not exist, and his photo is a stock photo you can purchase from a stock photo website. That's so. Here's the problem. I'm in the media industry. I've been in the media industry for a while. I try. I teach journalism. Here, here's what I tell my kids at, at VCU. Right, we we did this lesson. Like I had Chat GPT write a story about whatever it was we were writing a story about. And like, we, we don't need to pretend like it can't do things. AI can do things. ChatGPT can do things. I showed him the story and I read him the story. As if you turn in this story, I probably won't know that ChatGPT wrote it. 
instead of you. But what I will know is that it sucks. Because if you go through and read it carefully, all this stuff that artificial intelligence pipes out, there's no, there's nothing to it. It's cotton candy. You can, you can have artificial intelligence write a story for you. It's just, it won't turn out to be good in the kind of thing that compels people to read. So just big picture, I'm a media guy, right? Media, big picture. So much of our traffic in the media industry on articles comes from Google. So you've got your, your subscriber-based sites, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, The Athletic, uh, 24-7. You have to buy a subscription too, right? They're not under the day-to-day pressure because they're dependent on subscribers, enjoying the content, enjoying the system, and, and paying them money. For everybody else, more than half of the traffic you get comes from Google. People typing things into Google, people clicking on the site. And so... Being number one on Google is the most important thing, right? So so the AI tools, what you do is you say, right, we can't win on Dak Prescott stories. Everybody's writing a Dak Prescott story. But there's 53 guys on the Cowboys, and we can write a story about every single one of them every time they do anything in any single game, and they pump all those out. And those all of a sudden rise to the top on those searches. People read them. They're not satisfied at all. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because you're not chasing loyalty. You're just chasing clicks. It's depressing. It's depressing for Sports Illustrated, which, I mean, at one point was as prestigious as it got, man. Like we, you know, everybody read Sports Illustrated every week. Getting Even getting written about in Sports Illustrated was an honor of its own. Peter King, Dr. Z, Mike Silver, all those guys writing about the NFL. They had a heyday. And, and you probably can't reproduce that now, right? Like the athletics as close as it gets. You can't reproduce that because they, in that era, got to sit on their stories for four, five, six, seven days. You can't do that anymore. Things move too fast. But it, it's tough to see the internet get muddled like this and to see the brand name get muddled like this. Uh, for the record, Sports Illustrated denies it, says they, they had a third-party contractor who they did not vet closely enough, and they have ended that relationship. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's the full, that's the full extent of what's going on here. Uh, but, but that's their statement. We pass it along. We'll step aside. We're back after this. That was the panic button. Thanks for joining us. Uh, back after this Monday night football and exciting finish. Uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame announces their class of 2024. Jim Ursay. Uh, this, this is a real sad story. Um, apparently, is being discriminated against because he is rich and white. Uh, we will play a very tiny violin for Jim Irsay on the other side of this. You're listening to 910 The Fan at 105.1 FM. This is MP on the mic on Sports Radio 910 The Fan and 105.1 FM. Back at it, and MP on the mics, the show, 910 The Fan, 105.1 FM. We are honored to welcome in the executive director of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame, uh, which made made a little bit of noise yesterday, announced a new class. Uh, Will Driscoll joins us. What's up, Will? How you doing, Mike? I'm feeling good. You got to be feeling good. Uh, nine uh, announcements yesterday and uh, a star-studded class, and we'll get to that. Um, but the big news for our listeners is that this is the very first time 
the inductions will be held uh, on, on our home turf in the Richmond area. Uh, tell us about that and, and what people can look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, yesterday, it's, it's probably one of our favorite days of the year. It's, you know, Christmas comes early for the Hall of Fame and we get to announce the class, uh, you know, right after Thanksgiving. It's a great way to kind of, uh, you know, put ourselves into the conversation around the holidays. But, but more importantly, as you alluded to, uh, the induction events next April will be the first time that we're taking this premier event outside of the Hampton Roads market and into another market. And, the reasoning for that was simple. The board of directors here at the hall, myself and, and a few other stakeholders, we, we recognize that we're the state hall of fame. And we didn't just recognize that, but as the state hall of fame, we, we need to do more around the state. We need to provide more engagement, more outreach, but also increase visibility for our efforts. Um, not just on the sports recognition side and honoring the best of the best, but also through our community initiatives. So we made the announcement back in August that we are going to host next year's induction. Uh, and, and this came through a partnership with the Enrico Sports and Entertainment Authority, Dennis Bickmeyer and the team over there. And, uh, and it's really exciting. We've, seen all, we've already seen a, a great amount of interest, not just in the Hall of Fame, but in these events from the Richmond region, from the Central Virginia community. And yesterday's class um, just kind of is the cherry on top there with, because not only is it a class that represents the entire state, but it also has those strong connections to sports in Central Virginia. Oh, no question. We've got uh, obviously a lot of names people are going to recognize. I'll, I'll run through a few of them here, uh, and then then we'll pause. I'll get your thoughts because I, I know a lot of people here know Rick Jeffrey, his great work with Special Olympics Virginia, Hal Nunnally, uh, legendary Randolph-Macon men's basketball coach, 431 career wins. Uh, you've got Paul Woody, uh, you know, my, my friend, longtime uh, Richmond Times-Dispatch sports writer, some names that uh, – uh, we'll certainly jump out to some people. Uh, and then Jill Ellis, uh, who is known for her work at William & Mary down the road, a two-time Women's World Cup champion as manager of the women's national team. Uh, so, some impressive uh, resumes there. Yeah, very impressive resumes. And it's, it's one thing that, uh, that I always – I don't know if it catches people off guard sometimes, but, you know, we're a state that has a lot of, has a lot of professional sports teams – but we don't say have the NFL team or the major league baseball team, but we have a lot of great college programs and we have a lot of great hometown heroes. And when you look at these connections to the, the state of Virginia, you know, these are, these are people who are not just known here in Virginia, but they're known nationally and internationally. So the reach of sports in Virginia is far and wide. And, and it's just another class that highlights all of that all the way from Jill, Jill Ellis through Chris Long, uh, from Charlottesville, who was the 2018 NFL Walter Payton Man of the Year. Um, and then Monica, Monica Wright Rogers, who, funny anecdote about Monica, when we were putting together all of the information about her, I, I sent it to the inductees, and she's, the, she's listed as the all-time leading scorer in UVA women's basketball history, which is true, but she also made mention that she's the all-time leading scorer in all of UVA basketball history, <laughs> 24 more points than Bryant Sith. <laughs> That's a claim to fame. All right, there you go. Um, we we've got a nice UVA flavor on the class. Chris Long, of course, a, you know a, a name that that needs no introduction. Monica Wright, people remember her time. She was a a two time WNBA champion as well. And then uh, Craig Littlepage, who you know certainly the the UVA fans will will ring a bell. But for everybody else, he was the athletic director uh, who assembled a lot of that success, and not just 
in basketball and football, but uh, really is responsible for that being the well-rounded program that it is. Well, he when he took over as athletic director at the University of Virginia, so it was his final 16 years at UVA. He was there for a total of 45 years, uh, but his final 16 years there were as AD, and he wanted the University of Virginia to become the Stanford of the East. And, and basically what that meant is competing at a high level in all sports. And in his 16 years, they won 13 national championships and 76 ACC championships. And those 76 ACC championships were the most of any member school. And when you look at their athletics program top to bottom, you know, uh, we obviously know what's going on with football, but every other sport consistently ranks in the top 10 uh, across the country and is always competing for national championships. And, and his probably one of his last claims to fame was he's the one who hired Tony Bennett <laughs> to come to the university of Virginia for men's basketball. So the legacy that, that Craig Littlepage has on university of Virginia athletics is second to none. Oh, just an incredible run. And obviously that Tony Bennett hire has paid dividends along the way, but success in lacrosse swimming and diving. I'm just so many, areas where, where that UVA has excelled. We got some Virginia Tech love, too, though. Uh, Dave Smith, a uh, longtime SID at Virginia Tech. Uh, for those uh, not in the business as we are, that's the sports information director. They're the people who make our lives easier on a day-to-day basis and uh, certainly one, one of the best, Dave Smith. Well, and, you know, the, the role that the sports information director also plays is, is they're a storyteller for the program as well. Obviously, you have players... Um, like Corey Moores and like Michael Vicks that come through the program that help elevate the on-field presence. But it's still in Blacksburg, Virginia. Who's telling that story? And Dave Smith was the main football contact for sports information at Virginia Tech from 1998 all the way through his retirement. And this was really during the the golden era of Virginia Tech football. And and it was amazing to see yesterday uh, the the outpouring of support and just messages that we were receiving on social media for Dave Smith and just the impact that he made on so many people throughout his time, 40 years at Virginia Tech. But then also, he was the first ever sports information director at Fairham College back in the 70s prior to his time at Tech. So a guy like Dave Smith has, has created an impact across the industry for, for dozens, if not hundreds of people. No doubt. Uh, f- will be fun to see him get honored. One other name I didn't mention, LaShawn Merritt, who, of course, uh, a four-time Olympic medalist world champion in the 400-meter sprint from Portsmouth, uh, a well-deserving honoree as well. We're chatting with Will Driscoll, Virginia Sports Hall of Fame Executive Director. Uh, day after, uh, one of their biggest days of the year as they announced the Hall of Fame class. Uh, and, and you shared with us earlier that the ceremonies will be at the Henrico Sports and Event Center. But but that's not all. You guys are uh, are going to leave a piece piece of the hall behind when you leave. Absolutely, yeah. So, you know, part of our part of our approach to doing more around the state of Virginia is is creating more of a presence. Um, we understand that even though we're based here in Hampton Roads, our inductees come from everywhere. And we want to start finding new ways, new kind of 21st century model ways to, to celebrate the inductees. So prior to the induction, we're going to create a physical exhibit presence that will be on display in the lobby of the Enrico Sports and Events Center. And we're targeting late January, early February to have that unveiled. And that's going to be a permanent physical exhibit presence that is really helping us plant a flag in the Central Virginia region. 
And our long-term goal is to have that replicated throughout the state. Let's go to Southwest Virginia. Let's go to Northern Virginia, Southside Virginia, um, down in the Danville, Martinsville region. Uh, Our inductees come from everywhere, and we need to find ways to really celebrate the inductees with their hometowns, with their colleges and universities. And we're just so thankful that the group in Henrico County was really the first one who's bought into this concept and said, you know what? We're going to partner with the Hall of Fame and uh, and help them on their long help them with their long term goals. And then that conversation ended up leading us to hosting the actual induction in Henrico County next April. So it's been a win win, uh, I believe, on both sides from the time that we made the announcement up to now. And, and now we have five months to really generate a lot of interest and support for, for these events coming to Henrico County in April. And if I know anything about this town, they're, they're going to show out, show up, uh, buy some tickets, and uh, be ready to go. We've actually had a chance to do the show from the Henrico Sports and Events Center over there, Dennis McBire and his crew. Uh, that That's where the old Virginia Center Commons Mall used to be, uh, right there off of 95 as you get into town from the north. Just a phenomenal facility, 24 uh, courts available uh, for people to use. And it, it's not your old, like, AAU barn setup. They've got cafes and hospitality areas, uh, a showplace arena, um, which, which will be obviously a great venue for the hall. Um, and, and it's not just the ceremony itself. Uh, tell us about uh, kind of the, the whole weekend of events and what people can buy tickets for. Yeah, we, we've really made a commitment to making the induction weekend accessible to everybody because um, we understand that an induction ceremony does not necessarily appeal to, to everyone. You know, speeches are wonderful and there are so many great moments that come out of them, but sometimes you might not want to bring your 10, 11, 12-year-old to the induction ceremony. So come to the breakfast. Come to the Breakfast with Champions event uh, on the Saturday morning. That's the family-friendly atmosphere. There's a Q&A. You get to have breakfast with the class. Um, there's even an autograph session as well. And you get to really see a lot of personality uh, from the inductees because it's a much more casual setting. Uh, the induction, the, the reception and ceremony um, that night is definitely still our premier event. You know, that's where the class formally gets inducted. But there's also tons of engagement opportunities there as well. The, the inductees are not behind uh, a velvet rope, to, to use an old, in some old terminology. They're, they're accessible during the reception. If you have a memory from one or multiple inductees, go up and share that memory with them. Make a memory of your own. Um, so there are multiple events over the two days uh, that, that really kind of give sports fans almost a carte blanche and to engage with the hall, engage with the inductees, how you see fit. We're not forcing you to, to just come to one event. There are multiple ways to engage. And, uh, and, and we think that we, we've put together a pretty good, pretty good lineup of events over the past few years, and we've seen a lot of good support for them. And we're just really hoping that we knock this one out of the park, being the first one in Central Virginia. Love it. Will Driscoll, Executive Director of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. Mark it down now, April 20th, Henrico Sports and Events Center. First time in the Richmond region. Uh, we'll show up. We'll make it a great weekend. Know you guys will as well. We appreciate you taking a few moments to join us today uh, on the program. Absolutely. I appreciate y'all's time. And it, there, it, Any questions, please go to vasportshof.com. You can find all the questions and information about 2024 Induction Weekend there. There you go. Love it. Breakfast with champions that morning, the induction ceremony that night. Will Driscoll, executive director of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame, and what a class they announced yesterday. Uh, some big names there. Chris Long, uh, Monica Wright-Rogers, Craig Littlepage for the UVA folks, Dave Smith, LaShawn Merritt, uh, Rick Jeffrey, Hal Nunnally, 
Jill Ellis, and Paul Woody. Great class. We're going to step aside for a break. Back with more after this. You're listening to 910 The Fan, now 105.1 FM. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 